Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome into Soccer Morning on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Yes, we are all alive over here. We are zombies, and which is appropriate because, you know, Halloween tomorrow and everything else. I'm not dressed as a zombie. For those of you who are audio only, I'm wearing sunglasses. That is a twofold purpose. One, tomorrow's Halloween, so it sort of counts as a costume. I can get away with it. And two, I'm tired. And these bright, these lights are very bright, and it hurts to to look at them. So I'm going to wear shades today. I also decided that just based on the look of these particular sunglasses, that I'm going as uh, one of the characters from They Live. I'm just going to do that. We are here on a Friday, man. What a night it was in American soccer. On Thursday, we'll get into all of that. We're going to talk to Kevin Laramie from Canadian Soccer News up in Montreal where the Impact got themselves into the next round of the MLS Cup playoffs. We're going to have to talk about what happened last night in Portland. I mean, we, we're just going to have to talk about it. We've got plenty of time for your phone calls after we speak to Kevin, so get ready for that. We'll dive in here with the news. And, of course, the lead is the MLS Cup playoffs. Montreal 3 nothing. Over Toronto FC, Patrice Bernier, Ignacio Payati, Didier Drogba doing the honors for the impact in a game that they dominated. Toronto was not in that match at any point. Did not seem like they had a clue on how to stop Montreal. So the impact now move on into the, uh, into the next round of the MLS Cup playoffs. The conference semifinals, also known as the quarterfinals. You can look at it either way. Conference semifinals, quarterfinals. Because Montreal wins, and D.C. United obviously had advanced on Wednesday night, Montreal will go and play Columbus in the conference semis, while D.C. United gets the New York Red Bulls, which is a classic matchup. Could not ask for anything more out of the Eastern Conference. In the Western Conference, we now know who's advancing and who they'll be playing. And, man, I'm sorry. Look, as much as I'm a zombie today, and as much as I hate the fact that I'm going to be tired for the rest of my weekend and my sleep patterns weren't good to begin with based on Wednesday night and World Series and everything else that's happening and man it sucks to live on the East Coast sometimes actually no this is where the people live I like the East Coast last night if you didn't stay up you missed out Portland uh, Portland Timbers Sporting Kansas City 7-6 on penalties. Portland wins that match after a 2-2 draw over 120 minutes. Remarkable penalty shootout. It went 11 rounds. We got keeper penalties, people. It came down to Adam Corarse, who hit his penalty, and John Kempen. And you're thinking, wait a second, isn't Tim Melia the starting goalkeeper for Sporting Kansas City? And yes, he is, and he was in that game until about the 84th minute when he was forced out due to a likely concussion. Kempin comes in cold, makes some plays in extra time, makes some nice saves in the penalty shootout, but could not convert his penalty. Quarce saved it, and Portland moves on. Incredible dramatics. We had uh, Mustavar hitting both posts at one point, and a ball that did not go, go in the net, did not cross the line. Just in the, 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 the match itself, 87th minute equalizer from Sporting after Portland had a one nothing lead for about 35 minutes. Then Portland, after going down early in extra time to an amazing Christian Nemeth goal, scores in the 118th minute 
Maxi Rudy to push it to penalties. Just amazing stuff last night. And exactly the reason MLS is all in on playoffs, people. If you had any doubt at all why MLS does playoffs, that's why. And here's the thing about it. There's no, there's no Champions League on the level of the UEFA Champions League here. We have a Champions League. It's, it, nobody cares about it. It's a second-rate competition in the minds of most of the teams. So in order to get that sort of drama in our soccer, we have to do this. We have to do penalties. I mean penalties. We have to do playoffs, which sometimes, sometimes can lead to penalties. All right, your conference semifinals. Spent a lot of time on that. Conference semifinals set. D.C. United, New York Red Bulls, Portland, Vancouver, Montreal, Columbus, Seattle, FC Dallas. All of those look great. Ivan Scholarship of Goal USA is reporting that NYCFC has had discussions with Fabio Capello about their head coaching job. Jason Christ still on the job as far as I know. He hasn't been fired, right? Capello most recently coached the Russian national team. They had budgetary issues paying him. Managed Milan, Juventus, and Real Madrid in last, and before that, sorry, uh, before the Russian national team, the English national team. Gellersepp saying that he that at least two other MLS teams have reached out to Capello, which is just uh, mind-blowing. Qatari Foreign Minister Khalid Al-Atiyah has had harsh words for England FA chairman Greg Dyke after Dyke said that Qatar should be stripped of the 2022 World Cup if corruption in the process is proven. Quote, I want to see his face when we host the 2022 World Cup. We deserve to have the 2002 World Cup, uh, 2022 World Cup in Qatar an Arabic state, an Islamic country. The Arabic region needs such a tournament for the youth of the Arab region, and I think we deserve to have one. Jurgen Klopp has declared Belgian striker Christian Benteke fit for Liverpool's match with Chelsea tomorrow. Klopp backed the club's medical staff and dismissed the idea that Liverpool's injury problems are related to the medical staff's work. You've got a bunch of Premier League games this weekend, obviously. A full slate. Chelsea-Liverpool is the headliner. Crystal Palace-Manchester United. Manchester City hosting Norwich. Swansea hosting Arsenal. Newcastle City, uh, Newcastle and Stoke City. Uh, Everton-Sunderland on Sunday. Tottenham-Aston Villa is on Monday. We can talk about that one later. Other games of note this weekend include Eintracht, Frankfurt, and Bayern Munich. That's today, as a matter of fact. Uh, Ren PSG also today, and then uh, two Liga MX matches tonight as well. Queretaro and Monterrey, Tijuana and Pumas. There's uh, a number of games on the weekend that you should be watching as well. Uh, it is it is going to be a full up weekend after a full up week thanks to the MLS Cup playoffs. Do we even have time to squeeze in all of this soccer, people? Let me just look at Saturday's schedule because, you know, again I went over the Premier League stuff. But you got a bunch of other matches as well. Werder Bremen and Borussia Dortmund. Hurt to Berlin, Mönchengladbach. Juventus, Torino. Villarreal, Sevilla. It's too much. Let's take a break. We'll talk about Montreal advancing past TFC with Kevin Laramie from Canadian Soccer News. It is Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Face in the crowd. You're talking too loud.
Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Now, I'm not exactly hungover. I wasn't drinking last night, but I do feel as though I, I, I consumed crazy amounts of soccer and I have a soccer hangover. That music is entirely too loud. I probably should have gone with something like smooth jazz, Kevin. Kevin Laramie <laughs> from, uh, from uh, Canadian Soccer News, Sports Podcasting Network. Go find his work, including Off the Woodwork, his podcast over there. Hi, Kevin. It was a long night, Jason. I feel the exact same way as you, dude. I did not drink one drop of alcohol, but the amount of goals and PKs and just minutes of soccer last night, yeah, that was a lot. It was it was insane. Um, we're not here necessarily to talk about the Western Conference, although, look, it was a remarkable match, uh, and the Timbers and, and, and uh, Sporting Kansas City. We're here to talk about the Montreal Impact, because the Montreal Impact are on fire right now, Kevin. Now... Look, they had beaten TFC on Sunday to one Drogba uh, was the difference there. I think that we all believe they could go ahead and beat TFC again, but I think it's the nature of that performance. They were ready to play. TFC was completely all over the place, uh, and the impact made it uh, made it stick. The way they came off the blocks last night, the Montreal Impact surprised everyone. It's like the game of last Sunday never ended. It was a continuity of that game. Yeah, Mauro Biello changed the schematic of the team a little bit. Tactically, it looked a little different with a little change here and there. Maybe Piatti more on the left center of the attack in midfield. Using that space that was available Last Sunday, we saw that change last Sunday of Venegas at halftime for Duca because Venegas was not taking that space, that width. And we saw Montreal use that exact space on the pitch to destroy Toronto since that halftime last Sunday and just continued last night. At the third minute, Pieri almost scored from that spot. Mm-hmm. They were dominating, creating chances. Piatti never looked so good in the Montreal uniform than last night because he did not just only was able to implicate everybody, but he was able to use that space for himself and shots on goal. And it just was a total domination for the first 45 minutes. Toronto did not know what hit them when they first heard the whistle of a halftime when they went back to the locker room. It was a total domination for 45 minutes. Uh, you know, uh, you mentioned Piotti. He was obviously excellent. Um, but, uh, you know, a, a lot of talk about the decision to play Patrice Bernier. Um, he's sort of an in-and-out player. I mean, obviously, he's a veteran. He's got a lot of experience. Maybe that was part of the thinking for Mauro Biela, um, Kevin. But uh, what else does, did, did Bernier bring yesterday? For him, it was redemption. What he brought yesterday was maybe the heart and soul of the club Literally, being a French Canadian, being a guy from Montreal, okay, Brassard, but it's in the outskirts of Montreal. He was born and raised here. He played his first professional minutes with this club, went to Europe, went abroad, learned the trade, like we say, came back home and is shining and scored the first goal in the history of the club in a playoff. Scripters, writers would not have scripted uh, any better. It's a cliche, yes, but the way Bernier just brought that whole team together. And him and Klopas did not have the best of relationship. It was professional on both sides, but uh, let's just say Klopas did not appreciate the talent of Bernier and was putting him outside of the starting 11 and sometimes even outside of the 18. And we saw since Morobiello took over the re-inclusion of Bernier, the redemption, the road to glory. And yesterday was a glory moment that he finally arrived and scored that goal and literally gave the crowd a moment that nobody expected. When they saw him in that starting 11, like, wow, finally. 
but it never expected him to score that goal. And probably neither did Mauro Biello. But Bernier did score that goal. Right? Piatti built it up perfectly, went around Josh Williams and confused Josh Williams all game long. But with mm-hmm. that pass, opened up Bernier. Bernier just had to uh, beat Konopka. And you could tell the emotion in Bernier's face. He hugged the badge, kissed the badge, looked at the fans. And if he could, he would have cried at that instant. Mm-hmm. We all know it. But Bernier was just a redemption for him. It, last was, it was a great goal. But I, I want to go to the to the ball he played to to Didier Drogba for the third one because I thought that was a fantastic bit of play from Bernier as well, Kevin. No, that whole sequence with this third goal of Montreal Drogba is a, a perfect sequence when you see Bernier and Drogba work because the way it was framed, you see Drogba all alone at the far post, staying on side, just working, looking at the keeper, looking at everybody, and saying, "Damn, I, I'm all alone. I'm free." Give it to me. And then you see Bernier spotting Drogba, getting the ball twice, working it, and then getting over him, over there to him. It, it was just a great sequence to see the work of Drogba as a striker, what he does with the ball, without the ball, how he stays on side, and how Bernier was able to keep that ball for just an extra second to get that cross over to DDA. It was just a great sequence, and the way it was shot is just Perfectly, you need to take that sequence into uh, training room, training facilities, pitches mm-hmm. all across North America. That's how you need to hold the ball. And cross it. <laughs> uh, Kevin's excited, people, uh, and understandably so. Okay, uh, last thing here, just on the 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 the, the game itself and the, the the dynamics involved. I I had a chance to talk to Dwayne Rollins. I'm on the satellite radio show yesterday, and obviously Dwayne comes from a Toronto perspective. Kevin, from a Montreal perspective, what is that? What is this rivalry? What is this thing with TFC? What is the thing with Montreal and Toronto? In all sports across the board, there's a rivalry when there's a team in Montreal and Toronto. It's maybe the New York and Boston on a different level. On a different level, there's always the political, historical aspect when it's the French and the English getting together in Canada. That's Montreal, Toronto, the Quebec, Ontario, the French, English. All those rivalries, there's something that comes to play when it's in a sports setting. Either it's hockey, baseball back then, it didn't happen a lot, but those interleague series back then had that feeling. But in soccer, you get it a little bit more differently because of the supporters' culture that goes with it and the whole history of what happens on the way travels and for both club, both sides. And there's a lot of baggage in that relationship. And it all comes down to results. And it was the first Canadian playoff game, the first Canadian playoff goal, a game between two Canadian teams for the first time. So we use that superlative a lot, especially this year here in Montreal Historical. But last night was truly historical for all those reasons, the political, the uh, the difference of, of community, of nation, all those things come into play when it's in Montreal and Toronto. And, and that derby has a little something special this year. Uh, I did. Um, obviously, Toronto won and done after making the, the, their first ever playoff appearance. Montreal's been in the playoffs before, but... Uh, this was a, this is this is a different feel. This is a a different team. And while I don't know that they've got a project that's going to be long standing, Kevin, there's certainly something about the lightning in a bottle with this team, and and all of it comes down to Drogba. Yeah, the Drogba effect, 12 goals in 12 game. It's cliche, but the famous one goal per game as a striker, you cannot really ask for more. The Montreal Impact, that's in the history of the club, they won four championships. 
And every time they won a championship, there was something special in that club. There was lightning in the bottle, like you say, in 2004 and 2009, I remember. They didn't have the, the best season, but just something happened in the middle of the season. And guess what? In 2015, it does seem like Montreal is a team of destiny. Is it early to say that? Yes, it is. But there's something about that group of guys. And there's a short anecdote I would like to tell you about Didier Drogba. Yesterday on a French uh, TSN or RDS on the TV channel, during a reporter's live uh, press scrum on Statsuputo, you see Didier Drogba walk by. It's about 5.30. It's an hour and a half before the game last night. He walks behind him and he's playing hide and seek with the camera, with the reporter <laughs> on a live TV head. And, and I just think it, it really shows the atmosphere, the personality and the aura that Drogba brought to the team and the positivity. And I think it really shows. And it's not cliche to say that positive things bring positive results. And yeah. we've seen that with Montreal. Yeah, look, if you have if you have somebody who can be an infectious positive figure in the locker room, I don't care what what kind of team you have, it's going to it's going to raise everybody up a little bit. Um, you know, you have to be professional, you have to do your job, you have to commit yourself to training, but I, I think Drogba has done wonders for just the notion. Didier Drogba has the sort of resume and he's the sort of player and he has a, the skill that he automatically makes Montreal and the rest of that team believe that they can do something special, Kevin. I think that's pretty clear now. So let's let's move then into the notion of them doing something special because they go they'll take on Columbus now and they'll have the the first leg at home and I think that's crucial that they get something out of that. They did they did go to Columbus and get a result not that long ago, didn't they? Yes, absolutely. I'm, if I remember correctly, yes. So you know, as you look at as you look at this matchup, what stands out for you? Because you know, the, Montreal set themselves up this year as a as a counterattacking team. Things have sort of changed because they have a focal point in Drogba up top. Columbus is the type of team who wants to possess the ball, but they're going to get up the field and they're going to push their fullbacks. Where where's the the crux of the matter for you? I think the way Stad Saputo's atmosphere has affected games over the last month. The two Montreal victories over Toronto, then Montreal was able to get victories on the road late in the season, gives a different feel to that series because Columbus comes to town with uh, a certain weariness of what Montreal can do at home. We saw Montreal beat teams 3-0 over the last few months because of the Drogba effect and the crowd and everything that comes with it. And now with the new bell, the North Star here in Montreal, that was rang five times over the last two games, mm -hmm. it's becoming a cauldron here in Montreal. It's becoming a great atmosphere. It's becoming hard to get here and come result. And now with the Drogba, and if he's uh, still in great form, Columbus can come here and get two, three goals behind. So they have to be really careful of how they set up, how they don't let the impact too much with the ball, but not either go back to the counter-attack instinct that they did get from the CONCACAF Champions League because that experience will come into play in those home and away series because yeah. they did play a lot of them this year. So all those factors, that first game is going to be weird. It depends. That bye week usually it gives a team that comes off the bye week a 20, 30 minutes to adjust and get into the game and get into the game rhythm and the ebb and flow of the game. If Columbus takes 30 minutes to do so, Montreal might have put two or three like they did against Toronto behind the keeper. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Columbus approaches it. If they're too defensive, it can be dangerous. But if they go for it, they can get burned. And that first game at Satsaputa with the atmosphere is going to be dangerous. Yeah, you know, I wonder exactly how Greg Berhalter will set his team up. I don't know that they have another gear, Kevin. I don't know that Columbus is the type of team that can say, we're going on the road, first leg of a playoff series. We don't want to get behind. Let's kind of sit 
and absorb pressure or let's let's defend first. This is a team that almost has to be going forward to be effective. Um, they can be taken apart if if they're trying to do anything but so or, or they're certainly not dangerous on the attacking end. So, so we shall we'll see what, what great, this game is at seven o'clock on Sunday night. Uh, we do have the full schedule. So Montreal hosting Columbus Crew SC at Stad Saputo on uh, on Sunday night. Um, Kevin, you know we did come into the season with Joey Saputo suggesting that perhaps the the um, the the love was gone. You know the 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 honeymoon was over between the city of Montreal and the impact, and that the buzz. Uh, might need to be reinvigorated, or or Joey was sort of lamenting the fact there wasn't one. Clearly, that's not an issue now, <laughs> and 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 I know a lot about is, a lot of that is Drogba, but how is that going to impact? No pun intended. How this team does for the rest of the playoffs? Again, you you said it's a cauldron. What what what? How how big of a deal is this right now? I mean, I, the Canadians are playing, so that's got to be a, a factor. It's such a big deal. The last night. On the first feed of the Sports Channel in Canada was that MLS game. On RDS 1 and TSN 1, you had that game. And the hockey was delayed for a few minutes, granted, but it was. You don't see that every day here in Canada. So it was almost a victory for soccer, the sports almost last night in Canada. The fact that the game was covered the way it was. Every single channel, sports, journals, talked about the game the way it should be talked about. First subject, usually or close to it, in the opening of sports centers and sports desk type of shows, and really has been given the attention of the A1 journalists, of the A1 editors and columnists, and giving the coverage that a playoff game does deserve because a product will only be consumed in a certain way if it's portrayed a certain way. You want to have your product consumed as a first class sports in North America? Well, you need to portray it the right way, and I think. Now, with Montreal, the way the coverage changed this year for the team because of the results of the Champions League, the Drogba, uh, venue of Drogba, because he is so popular over the world, all those things together have created a certain, a bigger footprint of the Montreal impact. And we've seen that with the game last night. And the more results they get, the bigger the footprint, not just for this year, but for the future, will become. And the bigger place they get in this very marketplace it's almost harder for them to get coverage in Montreal than it is in North America because of the way uh, the Montreal sports scene is built. Yeah. And yes, the Habs are really good this year, but with the impact, with the momentum they had, with Drogba and everything surrounding the club, they have figured a way at least now to stay present in the sports uh, market. And that's really what they need to do. And they're really grabbing new fans. And it's like the impact MLS 2.0 because there's a new group of supporters, new, uh, just new fans coming. There's new fans jumping on the bandwagon. Let's be, uh, be honest. Yeah. And it's actually helping everything. What? It's like everybody's reinvigorated. What, what's French for bandwagon, Kevin? <laughs> yeah, it's a chariot, but it's not, it's not <laughs> right. an expression that we not use. So we French. use bandwagon. Okay. Uh, so, you know, we talked about the lightning in a bottle factor of this team and, and, and coming on as, hey, look, they, they obviously made the playoffs, so it's not like they were a disaster for the rest of the year, but they had to deal with the CONCACAF Champions League schedule. They had a bunch of injuries. Justin Mapp went down, which uh, really seemed like a problem at the time. Drogba comes in and reinvigorates the team. They look like they could be a dark horse. Now, they are the bottom seed left. They are the lowest point getters. Well, actually, they're tied on points with... Uh, with Seattle in the regular season, but they have a worse goal differential. So uh, there's no, there's zero chance of, of Montreal hosting MLS Cup is what I'm trying to say. Uh, 
is that and they'll, they'll be the first they'll be the first leg against everybody from here on out uh with Drogba coming in and the lightning in a bottle factor and, and then the play basically what i'm going to ask you kevin is he's 37 years old um he's not going to be around in three or four years so if they don't do it this year, the way that they're playing, and when I say do it, I mean whatever the goal is, whether it's an Eastern Conference Championship or an MLS Cup, if, if that's the dream, they do you believe that they're going to have enough next year and whatever roster turnover happens to get back to this level? That window's pretty short, isn't it? When uh, having Jogba with the age and a only 18 months contract, it brings a pretty short window. So it's Pretty much now or next year or maybe never for the impact. It never might be exaggerated, but you're absolutely right. That window of opportunity to get results is very short. That's why I think they need to enjoy it, to learn more as you can from Drogba to the other striker in Montreal. I mean, the, the young Anthony Jackson ML, the academy, squeeze the more you can out of the fruit to get the most amount of juice. That's what you need to do with Drogba from here on out. You need to help him get more success as possible. If it's not this year... You need to go all in next year to get maybe a, a third DLP, to get maybe a, a player that's even uh, not at the same level as Drogba Piatti, but close to it. You, that needs to be taken into consideration. If you really want to get the most amount of your investment that you did on Drogba, you might need to get another player to help the team get to the next level if this year they can't achieve that level. So that really has to be in your mindset when you think how you approach the rest of the season. And now that the Montreal are there, they're in the semifinals of the conference, Western Eastern Conference. Now that they're there, they have to be confident because looking on paper in Columbus, Montreal cannot be afraid of any team in the league right now. Yeah. They're the hottest team in the league. On paper, on the pitch, the way they're playing, nobody in MLS can stop them on any given day. So they just need to not let the home and away series get to them, not to perform on the road like they did earlier this season, but the way they finished the season on the road with two victories that helped them solidify their spot in the Eastern Conference that finished third. So victories in Colorado and Foxborough. So with those two wins... The, the confidence on the road is back. So they know they can get results on the road. So really, they need to win, like you say, this year. Because even next year, you never know what can happen. You never know if you'll get back there. Yeah. You never know what can happen during the season with injuries. Drogba will be a year older a year from now. So I think they really have to go all in this year and not leave any energy outside of the pitch and really leave everything on because if not, they'll regret it for the rest of their life. I, I, look, I, I was up until 2 o'clock in the morning, so I, I, I apologize profusely for this. I was wrong. They would, have the, they would have the second leg at home, meaning home field advantage, whatever that means in a two-leg playoff, against DC United if DC beats the Red Bulls. So there you go. Yeah, All against right. DC, but yeah. uh, in the finals only. Right. If they uh, go to the MLS Cup, they would not right. be at Montreal they, for they, sure. They would not. They, they, it's impossible for Montreal to host MLS Cup is, is was the whole point of that discussion. All right, last thing here. Moro Biello. Obviously, he steps in for Frank Klopas. Um, you, you know, I, I don't know that it. I, I don't know if Klopas. Uh, what, what, okay, uh, again, up till two o'clock in the morning. Uh, Kevin, <laughs> so, so forgive me. But, uh, I think a lot of people are in the same boat right now. Let's, let's get to the point. Moro Biello is, is he a, has he already won himself the job going forward next year? I think so, yes. There's been rumors that there's an actual offer on the table for him to continue as the head coach and not just the interim head coach for the impact. I think when you're looking at his body of work over the last 12 games, 
Yes, he had Drogba starting in his first game as a coach, and it helped him. We're not going to lie to each other. But if you're looking at tactically how the team has changed, how it has adjusted according to who they're playing, according to the situation, according to roster management, it means the rotation. And we saw Montreal play a lot of games in the last month, and that's where they had their best stint of the season. So this is all on Morobiello. The roster management has nothing to do with Didier Drogba. It's all Morobiello. Well, if it does, there's a problem. So it's all Morobiello. So for this, I'm really excited to look at his body of work next year when he has a chance to mold the roster, to change a, a couple of pieces here and there, to get the players that he wants in there. Moro is a great player manager, and he's able to maybe get the most out of certain players. Maybe he knows how to get the most out of Bernier. We saw that last night. So a lot of those things really help. But if you're looking at that Venegas, again, that Venegas sub, that changed everything. Venegas was not playing great in the first half. He was probably telling to himself, hey, I'll wait 30, 45 minutes. I'll get into the rhythm. And in the second half, I'll be able to produce. Well, the game was important. They could not wait. It was the last game of the season. Bielo subbed him off at halftime. And Montreal scored five goals and conceded none since that sub. It was that important. It was a message to the rest of the team saying, look, it's important. We're in the crunch of the season. If I see there's a change to be made, I might not wait till the 60th or 70th minute. I might do it now. So make sure that you do what you need to do on the pitch so I don't sub you off. So that message really got through. And we saw it since that sub, since that second half. Of Toronto, of the last game of the season and last night, we saw a different team. And I think the message, the Morbiello message, is really going through. There's a big difference compared to the Frank Klopas not adjusting and always putting the same starting 11. And there was a very big, I think Biello's a reaction manager and he likes to analyze the situation and find a weakness and use it. And we saw that the way he used Piatti to break down Josh Williams last night. So all those things that I made my Moro Biello. So that really impressed me. So the last 12 games was not just Drogba. It was Biello. And I can pretty much say 100% without uh, being wrong that he'll be back next year. Kevin Laramie will find uh, his podcasting work at uh, sportspodcastingnetwork.com um, and uh, follow him on Twitter as well. Kevin, what's the Twitter handle? At Kev Laramie. There you go, Kevin. Uh, great time to be a, a fan of the Montreal Impact. We'll see what happens in the next round against Columbus. Things get started on Sunday at Stad Saputo. Should be rocking. Thanks for the time, Kevin. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Jason. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will open up the phone lines. Let's let's recap. Let's let's talk about last night. We have to talk, guys. We have to talk about last night. Soccer morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we are back on Soccer Morning on a Friday. Good God Almighty. What a week. And what a weekend coming up. I mean, you know, as an MLS viewer, watcher, uh, and what am I? A, a, A chronicler of MLS? Could not have asked 
for four better knockout round games. I mean, okay, so Montreal-Toronto was not really dramatic, but it was a great performance by the Impact. There was no doubt that they were that they're a very hot team. No one's going to want to play in these playoffs. Just say that. And the rest of them brought the drama. DC United beating New England. Did you have that one? Anybody? Did anybody have that? Juan Agadello with the overhead kick to start things off. What? What? The penalty controversy? Handballs all over the place? Seattle, L.A. Seattle taking advantage of, of L.A. mistakes. Looking like a strong team again. L.A. can't figure out their midfield balance. Crashes out of the tournament in the first game at the first hurdle. Not something we expect out of a Galaxy team coming into a new year. And then last night in Portland, I mean, you don't know you don't know how many times I put my hand hands on my head. Not because I had a rooting interest. This wasn't. Oh my God, he missed it. I'm really upset because that's my team. This is just human. I mean, basic human emotion. Like just feeling for every single person in that penalty shootout. Every single guy on that field that had to take a kick had to save a kick. You could just feel, and let me just say this. I'm so happy that that happened at, at, at Providence Park. I'm so happy that that game with that result, that sequence of events happened in that environment. I mean, it, it would have been great, you know, it'd be great to have a penalty shootout in Seattle, okay? It may be great to have a penalty shootout at a full Red Bull arena, but that, that place with those fans, and talk about taking the ups and the downs. This is the one thing you know. This is why I want to go to Portland so badly, and I need to make it happen. By the way, my girlfriend's in Portland. I am not. She's on business. She didn't go to the game. But she's in Portland. I'm not. Very jealous. If I had gone with her, could have gone to that match last night. Would have witnessed that in person. The thing you notice when you watch games on television from Portland is that it doesn't matter what's happening. Those fans are... No, like there's there's a natural reaction, and there are people in that stadium who aren't singing, that aren't in the Timbers Army, and they respond to everything happening on the field. But the Timbers Army doesn't stop. Sporting Kansas City scored in what the 87th minute, Kevin Ellis to equalize. Portland looked like they were on their way. They had their conference semifinal place booked. They were going to go into the next round against Vancouver with some momentum. Now, it's just one goal, but sporting's tough to play. We got it done. We fought it out. And then Kevin Ellis pops up, scores a goal. And most places, I mean, I'm sure that there was some deflation at Providence Park, but most places just go mausoleum quiet. The Timbers Army, and, and there, there are reasons to say that maybe this isn't a good thing. The Timbers Army aren't watching the game. I, I don't, I'm not putting that on them. They just kept going. They kept go- and they got rewarded for it. Because even though Christian Nemeth scored a great goal in the beginning of extra time, the Timbers kept hammering it away, hammering away at Sporting Kansas City, and eventually got their own equalizer through Maxi Arruti. And then with a the penalty shootout. I just pulled up, uh, let me see if I can find it. This is from, okay, so Avi Creditor uh, of Sports Illustrated put this up. He is still at Sports Illustrated, right? can never keep track of people. All right, yeah. He posted the list of events from the penalty shootout. 
Let me just read. I mean, let me just read this to give you a sense here. And if you did, if you didn't watch it, you should go back and watch it. But I'm sorry, you won't catch the emotion. It's just not the same thing. Diego Valeri save. Betty Failhaber make. Nat Borchers make. Dom Dwyer save. Liam Ridgewell make. Graham Zusi make. Jack Jewsberry miss over the bar. Matt Beasler miss. Try to Panenka. Matt Beasler try to Panenka. If you did not watch that last night, you missed out. Maxi Rudy, make. Paulo Dagamora, make. Jorge Villafania, save. Kevin Ellis, miss. Darian Espria, make. Sonny, Mo- Sonny Mostavar, off both posts. No, wait, that wasn't Mostavar. Who missed? Who missed oh, Saad Abu Salam. I got my people confused. Sorry. So- Sonny Mostavar, make. Darlington Nagby, make. Jacob Peterson, make. Alvis Powell, save. Saad, uh, Saad Abdul Salam, off both posts. George Foshiv, make. Amadou Dia, make. Adam Quarse, Portland goalkeeper, make. John Kempen, backup sporting Kansas City goalkeeper, keeper, safe. Quarse saved John Kempen to win the game. Ah, just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Seven to six. 11 rounds. Everything that can happen in a penalty shootout happened. I mean, barring something completely wacky without that's so far beyond your imagination that there's no point a point in bringing it up. Everything that could possibly happen in that shootout happened. We had unbelievable misses, like Jack Jewsberry over the bar. We had and and Matt Beasler trying a panenka. We had. Incredible saves. I mean, those are some damn good saves. Give John Kempen a ton of credit. He gave his chance, his team a chance to win. Coming in cold in the 84th minute, he gave his team a chance to win. John Kempen deserves a lot of praise today. He couldn't make a penalty, but that's not something you count on. Let, or, or, can our backup keeper make a penalty? That's what, that's what I mean by almost everything. Everything, ha- everything happened. Everything happened. Miss, save, over the bar, Paninka, off both posts, goalkeepers taking penalties. Oh, it all happened. 646-832-3909. Wow. You got thoughts on the MLS Cup playoffs to this point, all four knockout rounds, or looking ahead to the conference semifinals, give me a call. Mike on Twitter, DC versus New York has to be the headliner. Of these four... I mean, that's the one with the most rivalry element to it. And I know Portland-Vancouver playing the Cascadia rivalry, but no. Okay, no. I mean, I'm, that's, that's going to be a good series. Don't get me wrong. There, there will be some sort of a, a, of a rivalry element. I'm sure Portland fans will go up to Vancouver. Vancouver fans will go down to Portland. Yeah, they're direct in the opposite time, whatever. But D.C. New York is something special. Really is. Montreal-Columbus, those are just two fun teams. Uh, my man Robert on, uh, on Twitter says, Who are you taking, Montreal-Columbus? I can see it ending 7-6 on aggregate. Seven is, I, and that's, you know what? He's probably not too far away from what it's actually going to be. We could see something like 7-6. We could see a couple of high-scoring matches. I think I'm going to take Montreal. I, I, look, I like Columbus. They have a lot of talent. They have a, a, a defined identity, and I am a sucker for a team with a, with a notion of how they want to play and who they are. And a guy like Greg, Greg, uh, Greg Berhalter is exactly the kind of coach that MLS needs. 
But how do you get out of the way of Drogba right now? I don't think that you can. I think this is Montreal's run that's going to keep going here. Now, Montreal runs into somebody like New York. I think they have a problem. But right now, with the way they're playing, the propensity for, for Columbus to leave gaps, there are going to be goals for Montreal for the taking. Portland, Vancouver, I already mentioned that one. Seattle, Dallas. That'll be fun. That's not, that's not, there's not a rivalry there. Not really. Not, nothing beyond, hey, we're both good and we're in the Western Conference. But that should be, that should be a great series. We've, we saw that last year, right? Was it last year that Seattle advanced on a way, on an away goal? I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't exactly thrilling last year. If I remember correctly, there was just one goal in it. But still. Yeah, they beat, they, oh, it was two goals. It was 1-1 in the first leg in Dallas. They went back to Seattle, played a goalless draw, and Seattle advanced on the away goal before going and losing to the Galaxy in the Western Conference Finals. So there'll be something there. And FC Dallas is a fun team. Moro Diaz is great. Fabian Castillo is great. Tesho Akindeli is fun. They've got talent throughout that team. JC on Twitter says that that series, FC Dallas and Seattle, will be the best quality. Can't really deny that that's a possibility. Now, I will say this, JC. Uh, uh, if you take these two teams and drop them in a neutral environment or put them in uh, uh, some, you know, some random stadium somewhere that has grass and good weather, yes, I agree with you. But we're probably going to see some ugly soccer in Seattle because I'm sorry that, that sometimes, especially against teams that are cl- close in quality to the Sounders, of equal quality can give them a game. There tends to be some ugly soccer play. That th- it rains and the ball bounces all over the place. It's just a, it's just a mess sometimes. Six four six eight three two thirty nine zero nine. Last day of the week, MLS Cup playoffs. Soccer coming up this weekend in England, in Germany, in Spain. We've got FIFA shenanigans. We've got, what else do I have on my list? We've got rumors. Good Lord, this rumor about Fabio Capello and NYCFC. What is going on there? What is going on there? Ruben, this is the greatest MLS playoff yet. They're doing a good job of giving me a reason to watch non-Seattle Sounders games. They are. This is thrilling stuff. It doesn't always happen, but it's pretty clear that this is why you do playoffs, right? And and we have a, a, a sporting tradition, an overarching sporting tradition of doing playoffs. I'm not saying playoffs are better. They're just the way it happens here. Single table, 30, 39, 38 games. Battling everybody home and away, equitable play, you know, equitable schedule. That that okay, that's a good way to determine a champion. I can't argue that that's a good way to determine a champion. But there's nothing wrong with playoffs either. And if it gives us stuff like this, I'll take playoffs every day of the week. Um, Actually, no, we need a regular season first. Then Fernando, you're on the air. Hey, Jason, how are you? I'm doing well. 
Hey, Jason, uh, Timbers Army, thanks for the props, man. Yeah, you guys were great um, last night. You know, so uh, I am, um, you know, if you notice, I'm, I'm in Seattle. I, we moved to, I moved to Seattle just a few months ago, but we have a, a group called the Timbers Army Covert Operations. And so we had a watch party. We had 30 people up in, in a Ballard Loft in Seattle at a great time. And so um, uh, I was tweeting you back when you were shouting on Twitter, <laughs> that, uh, you know, referring to your prediction. Yeah. And I tweeted you back. Um, I'm sure you didn't notice because you were just watching the, the match. But um, I tweeted back. It says, I hope you're wrong, quote, by a hair, end quote. Referring to your conversation with Grant Wall, um, about your prediction, you, you were almost backtracking on that prediction, Jason. I could tell. It says, "Yeah, I think KC will win by a hair." Well, actually, they lost by a hair. Yeah, but you you have to give me credit, Fernando, for the fact that oh, it came down to one kick. I mean, I'm within the I'm I'm within the the margin of error, Fernando. <laughs> I mean, come on. Oh, absolutely. No, I'm giving you props. I mean, but you know, I'm I'm you know as a Timbers fan, I have to, you know, sure. I say that I'm glad you were wrong. Yeah, of course. And, and look, I, I actually, no, I, 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 I wrote, uh, Fernando, I had to write about this game. This is part of the reason I was up so late last night, not just because I wanted to see what was happening. Oh. I'm glad I did. I don't know if I would have stayed up oh, if I didn't okay. have a reason to. I'm glad I did, but I had to write oh. uh, about that game for ESPN FC. And, and I, oh, uh, you had to. Okay. One of those, <laughs> well, okay, I'm a soccer fan. I would have watched anyway. I love hey. MLS, hey. I love the playoffs. But but I hey, said one I, last thing. There's well, hold on, Fernando. To, I got to talk I gotta, about I gotta, in the game. But you know, a million, a million. There has to be a like a million views of those some of those saves and that that uh, pinball. You know, both goalposts miss. Um, but um, you know, I I, I want to refer to you know what you said about Timber's Army and their their you know Timber's Army um, is a great organization and they you know we we make a point to not stop chanting no matter what. In fact, we have a chant after we're scored against, we hold up our scarves and, and chant Rose city till I die, Rose city till I die. Uh Um, I know I am. I sure am Rose city till I die immediately Uh after, Mm -hmm. you know, I, you know, some, some of the times are a little reluctant, but no, as a, as a rule, we, we keep chanting no matter what. And, you know, just is one of those matches. You just had to, Never lose faith, and uh, you know, here we are. We're in. All right, Fernando. So Appreciate the again, phone call, man. Thank, great show. Thank I'll, you. I'll, uh, you know, I have to work at eight o'clock art PST, but I'll try and listen to your uh, uh, XM show. I'm sure. I appreciate be great. it. Thank you, Fernando. Yeah, right. I appreciate it. Fernando, there, he just completely steamrolled me. I was going to make a point about something, and uh, he took over. But you know what? His team won. Uh, in a thrilling match, I can't really hate on him right now. Eddie in Brooklyn, what's going on, my friend? Yeah, I hate the West Coast. <laughs> well, they, you know what? But this is this is always what always happens with this stuff, right? Whether what, no matter what sport it is, the East Coast people, the East Coast people go, "Damn, it's late. I ought to sleep. I got to work tomorrow." And the West Coast people go, "Move here. It's better." And you know what? It might actually be better, Eddie. If you like, if you like, fo- I don't know. if you like football, it starts at ten o'clock in the morning. Then you de- you don't you don't lose you don't lose your day to if you watch football and a lot of people don't but that that they watch soccer you don't lose your day to it you know it's sort of like watching the Premier League if you're on the East Coast right you get you get up it's not super early it's a good time you finish watching the Premier League or, or whatever European soccer some of it's on a little bit later and then you can go about oh, the rest of your Saturday ooh I got a Saturday In this case you know you move to the West Coast so you can watch all these games early you can go to bed at a decent time 
It was like I'm not getting up. I'm not getting up at four forty five in the morning to watch Premier League. I'm telling you that right now. No, that's the other part of it. Yeah, that's, that's the other problem. What else you got, Eddie? Uh, I think. I mean, don't get me wrong. Montreal probably a really good candidate for Dark Horse to win the whole thing. I just get the feeling that a lot of people right now are starting to go into that. I just saw it. Let me overreact to it. Mode sure, there's a recency because, effect, no doubt. No, because it's Toronto. Is an absolute and has been an absolute dumpster fire defending in the back line for the entire season. You had to have seen this coming. If I watched pretty much every Toronto FC game this year very closely, and that back line, it was just it was right for the picking, and it, you just saw it building up and building up and building up. Yeah. And then once they neutralized Jovinko, that's it. It was it was a wrap. They literally had no chance. Yeah. No, no, this is true. And, and but but the, you know, it's obviously built on more than just that one game for Montreal. I mean, they they've been hot for a while now. Now I I have to go back and look and see, you know, uh, exactly who they beat. Uh, my my brain's not going to pull up their their record right now. Um or they ain't beat the Red Bulls. No, no. And this is true. And I still got the Red Bulls going, Eddie. I mean, I for me anyway. I mean, I don't know about the rest of And I when I say dark horse, I mean, that's the team with the most momentum. The Red Bulls they come out of that win in Chicago. They got a supporter shield. They got to sit around and wait, and, and not a long time, but they got to sit around and wait. Maybe that's a good thing for fatigue or whatever. I think they're going to be, you know, they're going to be fine. I don't think DC United's good enough to beat the Red Bulls. That the Red Bulls play eighty percent to their capability, but we'll see. I mean, the stranger things have happened. No, I agree. I just feel like Columbus right now is, isn't getting enough credit, and okay. I, I kind of feel like everybody's already dismissing them just based off what they saw Montreal do to Toronto. Which, granted, yeah, they still had to do it, but people also need to remember that it, it is Toronto, and, and it was just a, it was a matchup nightmare. Jackson at right back yesterday. I, I oh, mean, no, on, on the, on the I forgot which goal number it was, oh, but it was okay. on the counter, and he kind of steps into trying to intercept the pass half-heartedly. It just completely whiffs on it, and then they go through, and then Trogba's unmarked, then no, not a TFC player within seven yards. Robbie Finley kind of leisurely walking back. I think that was the third goal. Uh, you know, it's just you probably should mark some guy named Drogba inside the, the <laughs> six yard box. Probably the best idea. Yeah, but it's just things that. So and then the slip, Josh Williams is slip. Is you know, it's just one after another, and it's like, yeah, Toronto still had to score. Toronto pretty much bought, bossed the match around, but I mean, a lot of that also was just Toronto looking like an absolute dumpster fire. Yeah, they they, they were bad. I mean, I I think they have. They can play better than that, but defensively, yeah, they're absolute disaster. And that that uh, the goal, the first, it was the first goal that Jackson whiffed on the on the counter. Um, so yeah. you know, they, look, they're done. They'll move on. They'll lick their wounds. Montreal continues to move on uh, into the playoffs, where they'll take on um, Columbus. As you said, You're, uh, yeah, I, I guess we should give the crew a fuller uh, a fuller appreciation. Um, but I I think defensively they got some issues too. It's it's, a, it's not quite Toronto bad. Eddie, but it, there there are some some significant problems, and if you give we've already seen it. If you give Montreal the, the ability to to find some space, and uh, and especially if Drogba can slip a mark, it's over already. It's done. I agree. I, I'm I'm still picking Montreal to win that, okay. just because I think that they have more balance. But I just like people are so ready to dismiss Columbus. I kind of feel bad for them. Yeah, but they you know what? they don't care. The, the team doesn't care. No, obviously they won't. It's just, I think people are very quick to find a narrative and hold on to it. So, like, ahead of the, the, the TFC Montreal game, I saw so many people say, like, you know what? 
I'm going to pick Toronto. I'm going to go for the upset. And it got to the point where so many people were picking Toronto because they wanted to pick the upset that it was no longer an upset. The Montreal winning would have been the upset, yeah. and that's just what ended up happening. Yeah, I, so one, I kind of feel I, like everybody hangs on to one narrative, yeah. and this is the narrative that's being hung on to for this, for okay. this picture. All right, all right. I mean, uh, the, the thing about this league, though, obviously, is that the margins are small enough that it's not even – like if you pick t- Toronto to win that game, that's not even really – that big of a step. I mean, we're not talking about picking Bournemouth to beat Manchester United at Old Trafford with a trophy on the line. I mean, that that's it's it's a different thing. It's sort of like, you know, um, if if Montreal is a favorite, they're a favorite with a, a a little bit of an edge, not a favorite with a gigantic edge. But I, I'm with you. I, I saw a lot of people picking Toronto. I heard a lot of people picking Toronto, and I didn't really get that because I thought I, I thought that. Montreal was the more confident team. They had they had Drogba. He was going to play in this match. By the way, is the, is the man just going to get hurt and go off the field for a couple minutes every time he pl- he plays now? Um, he's either going to do that or he's going to try and post up Sasha question inside a six yard box. <laughs> do you want you want Montreal or you want Columbus? I mean, you got to get past DC, but let's pretend that you do. Uh, the matchup, the matchup for us, the perfect one is Columbus because Columbus, you know, they like to move the wall around the back, and we we like to play heavy metal soccer, and we're gonna you know press up high. Uh, I think a high line against Montreal well, with the with the players that they have, especially if Piatti's operating on the left, I kind of feel like that could be a tactical nightmare for you know for two legs. So you want Columbus, but in all honesty, I don't care. You know, put whoever you want to put in front of us. We won the shield. City isn't playing on Sunday. You know, it just whoever whoever's in our way, we got to beat them to to win the cup. And if you, even if we don't win the cup, season's a success because pretty much the best team throughout. Which is kind of why I have beef with playoffs. I understand it's the American way to do it, but it's you know it's entertainment, and so that's all it is. Entertainment. It's not really crowning the best team. It's just crowning the hottest team while you you know you get your you get your okay. popcorn. Well, look. look. Okay, I don't want to have this discussion with you, Eddie. I'm too tired. I, I would love to right now get into all of the semantics of what a regular season means and a uh, and the playoff uh, tournament means, et cetera. I'm not going to do it. Well, hope let's just hope. Well, I mean, it's, it's really no because there's really no argument to be had in Europe. <laughs> they crown the best team throughout the season. Here we sure, crown the sure, hottest team. Sure. Okay. Fine. But hottest doesn't necessarily mean is it, is it the the way you use hottest is a pejorative. I don't know that that I believe that that uh, the team that wins a, a playoff tournament should just be crowned uh, or should just be labeled hot like they're like they're nothing else. They got no substance to them. I understand that a long season proves who's the best team at navigating that long season and probably overall has the best quality but that doesn't necessarily mean that a, pro- a playoff champion is somehow lesser of the uh, of those two uh, i'm just my opinion the giants were nine and seven and they beat an 18 and 0 team yeah okay and and the 18 and 0 team beat them during the regular it, season it, so it's it, kind of like yeah okay. the giants won the super bowl but come on like they weren't Eddie. really the best team they couldn't Eddie. beat the redskins that year they lost Eddie. the uh, they lost the rex grossman twice you know Eddie. it's just like Eddie, that's just just the way playoffs are. If New England Patriots were the best team, they beat the New York Giants. Uh, but anything, it's one game. It's a so one what? It's one game happens. that matters. It's one game that the things, New England things, Patriots had a chance. Happen, like no, Eli Manning okay. scrambles. We're talking about football on your soccer show, by the way. But I know. I don't care. Eli like, Manning scrambles around, and the, and the ball gets stuck to his to to the receiver's helmet. Okay, and he comes down with it. Okay, that, because he made that play. Because in that moment, 
they figured out they they did what they were supposed to do. I, I I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna yell at you, Eddie. It's Friday, man. I'm just saying. Yeah, it is Friday. It's we've been up since two in the morning. It's, it's too much, <laughs> Eddie. I, I appreciate the call. I hate the West Coast. <laughs> appreciate the call. Talk to you, man. All right, man. Take it easy. Uh, my man, Eddie in Brooklyn. Ah, oh, so good. You argue with him on Fridays. All right, this is the last call for phone calls. 646-832-3909. It being Friday, we having already covered the MLS Cup playoffs to this point, mentioned some news, done some good work, we're going to wrap this thing up. We're going to head on into the rest of our day. If you've got Sirius XMFC, make sure you listen to Soccer Morning from 11 to 1 o'clock Eastern Time. Certainly we'll be talking about the playoffs. We'll talk about the Fabio Capello rumors. Uh, we'll talk about uh, what else? What else is um, Halloween? I want to know if anybody's got Halloween costumes, soccer theme that they plan on wearing this weekend. If you've got a, so- a, a Halloween, a soccer themed Halloween costume, send us a picture at Soccer Morning. I'd love to see it. Let's share that. I know Howler's doing a thing with this. They got they call it Halloween. We're not we're we're not really stealing from them. This is not the super most original idea on the in the world. Let me see your soccer costume, your soccer Halloween costume. All right, that's it. No calls. We're feeling good. We talked playoffs. Eddie and I yelled at each other a little bit. Make sure you uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Soccer Morning. What else? Nothing. We're all recovering still, right? All right. Get yourself some coffee. We'll see you. Bye. Did my invitations disappear? What I put my heart on every curse.